Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Lauren Forsh. She is founder and CEO of Popped.NYC. We're going to talk to her about the business that she's put together in the cannabis space, her background, history, interesting approach, not only to the business side, but really to cannabis uh, and understanding why she got into cannabis and what she's hoping to do. Obviously, cannabis is you know a, a multifaceted industry with all sorts of you know aspects, all sorts of parts of the business. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about branding. We're going to talk about what she's looking at in terms of target market and how she's approached the retail side of things. So with that, Lauren, welcome to the program. Hi, Bruce. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I always love to start with stories, how people got into the cannabis space, why they got into the cannabis space. Let's start there and then we can talk about NYC and, and understand the business and, and what you're looking to do and the purpose behind it and uh, the work that you're doing. Um, Tell us the backstory. How did you get into cannabis? Well, I think that's a great question, and I get asked a lot, and I should have a a 30-second pitch for it. But (laughs) in reality, it wasn't just one thing that brought me to this industry. In reality, it's been a lifetime of missed opportunities that's brought me here. Misinformation, missed opportunities. And so that's why I'm really excited to be part of it now. 
but ultimately health concerns, mental health, physical health, um, trying to manage the life and the expectations that we have in the society all brought me to cannabis. My husband is a survivor of 9-11, so he has post-traumatic stress disorder. We had always been fascinated by cannabis and, you know, but we're scared because of its illegal status. And so, but we always tinkered with toys and devices and would would buy things and read about them. And, you know, you couldn't really talk about it at that time. So once I saw the show Weeds, Mm, I, I I finished it a little after it concluded and I... In the middle, I was shocked and awed. And, and then at the end, I said, oh, God, she just laid it out for me right there. I, yeah, I could do that without the um, multiple marriages and murders and all of that. <laughs> less, less those unsavory sides, yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, yeah less those unsavory parts. Well, I keep some of them. You know, you got to <laughs> keep it a little spicy. But um, <laughs> I live a PG-13 version of that, yeah. and it's pretty darn exciting. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that answers fully, but I did, that was my aha moment where I said, let me take all these things that make sense for me and, uh, you know, and also step away from this corporate thing. I, you know, I got into cannabis about oh, five or seven years ago. And mm-hmm. um, at that time, I, you know, I was really starting to feel like something is off. Something's not right. And I think what's happening in the world right now is actually that kind of itch. And I think cannabis yeah. is, I think it's one of the answers. Yeah, it's certainly an opportunity to address some of these things or or to kind of explore some of these things just because of the nature of both the plant and kind of how cannabis has developed as an economy and a sort of, uh, you know, both from a business point of view and a social point of view. So, yeah, lots of interesting things. I guess when for you did it become, did you see this as a business opportunity or or something that you were going to focus on professionally? Well, I think think it was at that time when I realized I was going to do it professionally. But at the same time, it took me a couple of years to get over, like, mentioning casually and passing, oh, yeah, I work in cannabis, like, and, like, for more of a shock value and, like, trying to see what people would think. And because I felt insecure about it and because I felt judged as a mom and, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's been about two years since I'm fully out of the closet as a cannabis entrepreneur. No, maybe three years. Okay. Three years since I've been, you know, literally putting up a banner and saying cannabis for sale. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, right now we sell CBD because that's mm-hmm. what's legal, but it was still pretty radical two or three years ago in New York. Yeah. And how did it come up for me? It was this more family, more social, more professional context. Where was the judgment or where, where was the insecurity coming from? You know, honestly, it's probably just from within me. I think all yeah. of, you know, there were actual people who said comments or, you know, separated themselves, but really it was me not feeling confident, not believing in knowing, believing in myself and knowing that this plan is powerful and that it can really only do good things and that freeing the plant and freeing the people attached to the negative history of the plant, kind of a writing of the wrong retribution thing mm-hmm. going on. And just knowing in my gut that that was louder than the voices that were wrinkling their noses. Yeah. And how much do you feel when I, I talk about a lot of CEOs who you know, end up in this position of, I'm a CEO, but I really don't know, I don't have a business background, I don't know really what I'm doing, and it's kind of this imposter syndrome. I think it happens with any any kind of CEO that is kind of early stage company, and they're kind of having to 
push themselves forward, most likely out of a comfort zone, maybe even to a little bit of a panic zone. How much of you think of this as just the entrepreneurial kind of journey that people go on when they start companies? And how much do you think it is specifically about cannabis? It almost feels like you've got a double, <laughs> like there's a double factor here. Like one is like, okay, being an entrepreneur has its own set of kind of challenges and kind of insecurities associated with it. But then on top of that, there's the kind of the cannabis side. And now you're in kind of a, an industry or working with a plant that has social and legal kind of connotations or stigma. Do you see them intertwined or do you see them as separate? I'm curious. I absolutely think it's both. <laughs> it's intertwined and it's separate because everything is connected. It's a cannabis theme. It almost sounds cliche, but it's really true. There is a connection between two. And right now, I think there's a strong disconnect. So by cannabis bringing everything so closely together and putting it all in the same pot and figuring out, you know, how are we going to make this work together? It makes us dismantle some of our old beliefs that were maybe hurtful to us. Yeah. And, and like you said, the imposter syndrome is one of them. It's, it's very hurtful to, to someone, but it's necessary as part. I do think it's necessary as part of the journey. Mm-hmm. It does cause pain, physical pain to, you know, feel this for other people saying I'm, I'm here to kind of make sure that you don't suffer the way I went through it. I'm just reading now about entrepreneurs and, and of course I'm taking from the city Yeah, and you feel it. Yeah, no, you do. You do. Um, and so from the business side on the cannabis front, when you were kind of deciding how you wanted to kind of structure, you know, model your business, what was that process like? I mean, was it really clear for you right off the bat? Like, this is what you wanted to do. This is the products you want to develop, who you wanted to serve, what part of the market you wanted to be in, or or was that kind of a process for you? Give us some insights. Well, I'll start with actually what I see for the company in the future, which is still to come, which I'm mm-hmm. most excited about because it hasn't been built yet, is, is really taking kind of some of the old-fashioned. I hear all the problems that really adults have today in, in our society and struggling to, you know, still have the American dream. And I was very fortunate that my grandfather, uh, he was an excellent saver, you know, World War II baby or um, so he, depression baby. So he had a job at a factory, a Singer sewing machine, child of immigrants. I'm not sure if he was born in this country or an immigrant and um, worked his way up on an assembly line uh, to a supervisory position and was able to save money to help me buy my first home. And generational wealth is one of the reasons that entrepreneurs do this. But I want more than just generational wealth for my family. I want to be able to do what my grandfather did for either my children or grandchildren to help them. But I think my obligation is to multiply that and help more families lift themselves up and make a larger middle class. And I think by providing jobs that are fair paid and you know, good working conditions, we can do that. Fewer hours and uh, reading about different philosophies of other business people, how they've made good jobs for people with less, more money, less of their life being given away yeah. to it. Well, and I think so. I was, so when I picked products, uh, that's I had to think of something that would be a high margin product. I have a background in market sales and manufacturing. So I I knew those systems. So it was really everything is about taking systems you already know and that you know work well and placing them into this brand new system instead of trying to fully reinvent the wheel because it's a great wheel. We have a great wheel. Yeah, I'm curious what what parts, anytime I I talk to someone who's kind of leveraging their previous experience in other industries, you know, other professions coming into cannabis, which pieces of it were kind of a natural, easy, well, I can just do this just like I did before, and which parts of it, you know, didn't work or you had to kind of adjust because 
you know, cannabis is different or you're just dealing with a different market or, you know, there's, there's different implications or cannabis is at a different level of development as an industry. Sure. So my dream job was to have a little shop in the Lower East Side with tchotchkes. But unfortunately, I did that during retail apocalypse and it, it, it didn't last. But yeah. I was a retailer for a short while and I now own an e-commerce store. So there's a place where there was a lot of overlap, but with the, the cannabis industry, the struggles are many with e-commerce when you're talking about payment providers and advertising and all sorts of different things. So there's a lot of roadblocks there that somebody coming from a traditional e-commerce background might be stumped and go, this isn't, I thought this was going to be easy because I had this history. And really it's, yeah. it's very much once you get past the, the, setting up your background of the business, communicating with the rest of the world becomes difficult. So that's where I was able to take other abilities that I had communicating with the rest of the world and say, okay, how can I get this out? Yeah. And, and so tell us about the business model or how, how you've kind of navigated your product strategy, you know, your target audience, where you describe kind of the business at this point. Well, I think at some point in raising my children, volunteering for the PTA, and losing my job and realizing that I was spending a lot of time on stuff that I wasn't getting paid for and I needed to get paid, I decided that instead of going to look for work and looking to help people who didn't want my help, as my experience in the PTA was, yeah, yeah. I would go out really in public and say, I'm here to help and see who gravitates to me. And that's what I did. I, I literally set up a little lemonade stand at a a nearby uh, sales event that like a, it's the city, but it's a country fair. Mm -hmm. And I set up my little booth and said cannabis and whoever came to me, I was just really open and talked to them about their health and their wellness. And they said, most of them said, I don't know what CBD is. And they tried and they were really like impressed and excited and, you know, had a lot of good conversations, but also people who knew what it was and needed to learn more. There was this great opportunity there to listen to them and say, hey, I've tried to get this product, I need this product, and just really listening. And that's how I built my brand, listening to what people wanted and needed instead of going out and saying, this is what you need. Mm. And what did you hear? I'm curious, like, what, what, were the, what were the insights and I guess which ones were kind of validating things you already kind of suspected or knew and, and which ones were surprises for you as you talked to people? Yeah, well, I think one thing was that uh, there were so many people that were unsure what cannabis was and or maybe afraid of it because of how it had been advertised. But I found when I, I'm very careful to be, I'm very against drugging people, <laughs> uh, right? So, because I could have easily said, oh, try these new herbal drops. Yeah. And yeah. people would try it because I was flabbergasted what people would put in their mouth without really <laughs> understanding what it was. Uh, because I started with vapes and yeah. I had seen them in California. I'd seen that everybody did them. I went back to New York. I was like, nobody's doing them. These, and I just saw how it was like so easy and uh, habitual and just fun. It was to pick yeah. up. And so, you know, I, I'd show it to people and they'd be like, what is this? And I'd be like, you want to try it with my little alcohol wipe in my hand? And they'd be like, and I think they would say no. And I was ready to get rejected and say, yeah. no, tr I'll try this instead. Sure. And just vaping all day like, with, with so strangers. It was, it was hilarious to me, but also kind of cool. Yeah. And, and do you think that's because the, was it was just curiosity or was the potential 
solution that the product offered, you know, were you kind of tapping into kind of real needs with folks or do you think it was more kind of curiosity and people? Oh, no, there were definitely real needs. But I think that the reason I my products are isolate or the two that I manufacture are because they're really at the time I felt like somebody that had no understanding of cannabis and the intoxicating properties really shouldn't be, you know, I don't I didn't want to quote unquote drug someone. Mm -hmm. I've since changed. I would actually have to figure out a way to reword that because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it that at all. Call it medicating people and people medicate all the time just by the air that we breathe, the food that we food and water that we drink. So I'm, I'm much less concerned about that. But at the time, I really felt like you wanted to give people and for a marketing purpose I still believe this you want to be very truthful about what you're giving people and you want to make it very simple so I don't use alcohol because tinctures a lot of people use the word tincture but tincture scientifically means that it has alcohol yeah Yeah, exactly so I felt like you know I think there's a lot of confusion in the cannabis industry and so those of us who are really trying to get it right needs to be very careful about what we say. Sometimes I forget that, but... Do you feel it puts you at a disadvantage at times? Because I, 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 I mean, I, I agree with the, you know, being super clear and having a lot of integrity around, you know, what you're developing, how you're messaging in it, and, you know, what you're communicating. But at the same time, you've got a lot of folks out there that are not and potentially, you know, are... I mean, I guess, do you see them as having an advantage or, or being able to operate you know, more effectively or, you know, get, uh, you know, sell easier. I mean, I guess where have you landed in terms of how your approach is competing in terms of the market? Because there's a lot of CBD products on the market at this point. And I'm, I'm curious what you're kind of seeing, how things have played out. I have a long story I just wrote in my head and then I condensed it down to the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> I am a tortoise. Yeah. So... When, when is the race over? <laughs> is this a year? Is this five years? Is this ten years? Well, that's a great question. I think there, yeah, I think there are a lot of mini races, and I, I don't think I think the when you when you look at the world a certain way and say I'm blessed for everything that I have and I have enough, and so anything that extra that comes to me, I'm grateful for. You're not in a rush to get mm-hmm. any more, and. I think it takes time to buy into that philosophy because that's not what we're taught and it's not the easier way to go. So I guess I'm not as concerned about maybe what other people are doing. And I used to be, but I think that's one of the great things that cannabis is doing for me is is letting me let go of that and just saying, I'm doing the best I can and uh, I'm making a living to support my family right now and anything more than that, I'm, I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think one of the one of the fascinating things I found about cannabis is, you know, it's it's more than just you know kind of a product. I mean, it is a culture, and in, even on the business side, I mean, if you compare cannabis to other kind of industries, you know, the, you know, other industries are very financially driven, market share, you know, uh, profits. Uh, you know, there's a kind of a, a standard corporate economic capitalistic framework that's applied to kind of success and things like that. And one of the interesting things about cannabis is that's it's much more diverse that way. Like I, you know, the you know, what defines success, what we're trying to do, what's the impact we're trying to have, you know, has a lot of other factors, you know, everything from social justice to, um, you know, ecological concerns, sustainability. I mean, yes, there's financial sides of it. And, you know, cannabis operates within a broader kind of capitalist access to capital and, and allocation of capital kind of world. But there's a lot of other things that are important to folks in the cannabis space. I mean, I guess what's your 
take on that in, in terms of cannabis right now? Do you feel like that is maturing? Is it changing? Is it getting better? Are we slipping? You know, are we are we kind of becoming more like every other industry? I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how you see the cannabis industry kind of evolving uh, as it's grown and as it's become, I don't quite say mainstream, but, you know, at least more in the eye of the general business world. Yeah, I, I think it's a really who knows what's going to happen. I could yeah. create a lot of scenarios and I, anyone who's involved in the industry right now is going to do well financially. So it's not, I can tell from what I, how many people are involved right now and ranges of success. Some people are doing very well. Some people are just getting their feet wet, but the cannabis industry is in its infancy. So anyone who's involved right now, you have to make goals and use those corporate ideas of, of benchmarks and fundraising and everything like that. But you just don't have to live or die by them. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is remembering that we're going to do our best, but that doesn't mean like we're going to do our best and we're going to come in last place. We're going to do our best. We're going to come in, at a record, like I kind of compare like, well, what would I do if cannabis wasn't involved? And that's the test that I hold myself to. And as long as my performance goals, and as long as I can do that while using cannabis or my employees can, then those are the same goals we're going to hold ourselves to. But we're not going to be working 80 hours a week unless we're calling 40 hours of those week trying new product. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because I, I do like... I am a big believer in, you know, work-life balance and work-life integration. And, you know, you need to kind of think holistically as an entrepreneur, personal sustainability, you know, and, and that includes yourself, your family, you know, your the community you operate in. And there are times when you have opportunity and, and you know, pushing hard and working longer for a period of time, you know, may be the right thing to do long-term. But how do you, I guess, when you look at these sort of the, the the values or the sort of the tenants that you're putting in place in terms of the company, which ones have you decided are under no circumstances are we doing something like this versus, hey, we have a general guideline of like we, we're going to you know work 30-hour weeks or 20-hour weeks and that's a general guideline. But if these kind of conditions come up and we have an opportunity, obviously we're going to work more. I'm just curious when, when you're laying down kind of the principles of how you choose to operate, like how have you nav- navigated that and how have you kind of figured out where you need to adjust or, or where you don't want to adjust because it's a matter of principle? Yeah, I'm going to have to have my uh, my husband and my uh, associate send you notes about that. They'll, they'll let you know. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah, so that's been something that I've actually really had to work on because yeah. I do think one of the future issues of the cannabis industry is going to be staff mm-hmm. because this is going to be, there are a lot of people, yes, interested and excited to work in cannabis. And I do have met a lot of wonderful people. However, a lot of people that are heavily into cannabis have chronic medical conditions and things keeping them from from working. And then, you know, life is hard. A lot of people have trouble adulting. And so at being an employer, you have to allow for that. But you do have to have a hard stop and say, these are my expectations from you. And if you cannot meet them, then no hard feelings, really. But I, I can't, you know, have you. And finding, I think that's really what's exciting to me, is finding that that way and that that doesn't exist right now. And there are probably models that do exist, but it's not a pervasive one. So as I get to problems like that, I'll be researching like, okay, where in Sweden are they getting this right? Mm. That type of thing. And then saying, and really, I know I have 
grand goals, but really kind of creating a somewhat of a model society where we can where we can care for each other and people can come in and out of work as needed. I think this addresses concerns, especially for uh, women who are having mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to come in and out of workplace and not lose our status and not lose our yeah access to opportunity. I mean, just you know, right? I mean, yeah. all of that. And you yeah. know, there's so many things on that level that we can improve on. And I think that my company can is willing because we're small and nimble, and I'm not looking to grow at warp speed. I can tell people, hey, listen, I know you're going through a lot, and I know you need to work. So let's just be open and try this together to make it work. And it's awkward and painful some some of the time. Some of the time it's like, okay, well, I thought this was going to work, but now we're going to have to have a tough conversation because we can't do it this way. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to do that with one of my employees, and it's been really amazing. Yeah. Do you think cannabis, I mean, just because, you know, because of the situation in cannabis, it is kind of... Because it's federally legal, it has these kind of you know complications from a from a business point of view, you know, legal medical rules and stuff around it and everything. Do you think it actually makes it easier to to experiment with with those things? Just because you're it's already kind of a experiment from an industry point of view that it's actually easier as a business from a Absolutely. business management point of view. Absolutely, yeah. a lot of fears that I might have had and that I might fears that I have don't apply in this industry because. You know, it's like, well, I could do this, but they've done this, but it's the Wild West. You get to pick and say, let's Mm -hmm. flip a coin. So, you know, that's where instead of flipping a coin or owning those decisions myself, I like to go out into the field and say, okay, team, where where are we going to choose our own adventure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the outcome we're trying to achieve. What are all the possible ways we could we could get there while being creative and adaptable to people's individual needs and situations? I think. Oh, can sense. you come and say that the next time I try and explain to them? <laughs> I've got a visual now. Be like, remember in that episode of The Bachelor where there was a fork in the road, and exactly. this way is one way to do it, and this way is the other. And we might look a little tattered one way, but be more, I don't know. <laughs> well, then there's just like, I mean, if you were doing an accounting firm, if you, know, if you were starting up an accounting firm, I mean, there's so many standard ways of doing accounting and managing accounting practice and, you know, partnership models, things like that. Like it would be hard. It would be hard to come up with a new way of doing that just because the existing way is so, that rut is so, you know, grooved. But in cannabis, we don't have that. Like there is no, or there's, you know, very few, well, this is the way we do it in cannabis. It's like, I don't know, make it up because we haven't done it before. (laughs) Like this is all new. But I would say that that's when we have to remember the bare naked ladies, that it's all been done before. Mm. So take a minute, pause, do your research then, and let's be thoughtful about how we move forward because there's there there are many ways to do things and and really even though it's new and exciting the best part is being able to look and go I'm not the first one to have this problem yeah, yeah. and that's why you know I feel like sometimes I'm moving a little slower and I get that's when I start going oh well, should I be even doing this but then I remember all right we're doing it the right way we're building for the long haul not for the you know lottery ticket yeah, and I think that's the first time we've quoted the bare naked ladies on our on our program. So, <laughs> um, I you know I'm curious what you know looking at the industry in general. What are what are some you know things you hope the industry kind of keeps in mind or develops or you know prioritizes as things mature because it's you know it's getting some steam right and people are getting really interested and it's growing and lots of new people are coming in. What are some things that you really would 
you know, suggest that, you know, leaders in the cannabis space, you know, whether you're on the entrepreneurial side, you know, CEOs, policymakers, you know, things that you would suggest we really need to kind of remember, keep in mind, uh, hold true to as, as we go down the road. Okay. I think you know where I'm going to go with this one. Um, <laughs> it's diversity and yeah. it's not just, so like I'm white I am married to a white man. I have two future white men children. I cannot change that, nor do I want to. I love these guys. Mm-hmm. I have a white girl on my staff, but it tends to be that you can try and do diversity within your direct group, and that's amazing. Yeah. But that's not what people are looking at when they're looking at diversity. When you get invited to an event, are you going, who can I bring to this event that is not like me? And I don't just mean by skin color or gender, although those are two important variations, but there's so much more. Am I bringing this person who has medical problems, who has maybe different social abilities? Uh, My expertise is in, or not, my area of marketing is in pain and anxiety. People talk to me and they share things they don't normally share. And a lot of people suffer with social anxiety. And so to just go out into a new room of new people is crippling. And so if you can make sure you're including your introverts, if they want to be included, right? Just extend the invitation. And people who are differently abled in all sorts of different ways. I think there's a lot of people right now that are going to have a really hard time re-entering society because maybe they have these voices in their heads that we all have mm-hmm. and they've had a long time to sit with them. And some people are going to come out better and some people are going to come out and really need support and help. And I think if professionally and personally, we can make sure we're reaching across the table to someone different. And this came to me about three years ago or, you know, realization that I was more of part of the problem than the solution. And I don't, at first I started going out and really kind of trying to look for people that look different to me and that's not Mm -hmm. the right way to do it. But finding out people who have stories different, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds is really important. And it's just not something that most people have exposure to. Most people have exposure to their people like them. And so we have to look, work a little bit harder And so if you know someone, say, hey, let's get together and do something that you want to do or someplace new or just keep trying new things. And I think that it will bring us closer together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole that whole question of how to create opportunities, like where is there an opportunity in the work that you're doing to invite the conversation, invite the, you know, invite the interaction, you know, engage. And that is, you know, is the key part because it's yeah, we are. Unfortunately, we're we're wired as, you know, as humans to, to want to connect with things that look like us, you know taste like us, smell like us, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, unless we create some positive pressure, some intention around that, it's going to be, you know, it's just going to continue. So, Well, and I think an easy way to look at that is to like, look at your fears. Like what's something that you like watching on TV that feels very exotic to you and maybe go out into that culture and say, um, you know, this is different than mine and I want to learn about it and ask people, you know, to welcome you as a guest and, and teach you. Those are great. If people want to find out more about you, about pop.nyc, what's the best way to get that information? Okay, so I get made fun of this, but www.popped.nyc. That's P-O-P-P-E-D. And it's a .nyc instead of a .com because we are New Yorkers. And my email is lauren at popped.nyc. That's L-E-U-R-E-N. And then I also have an Instagram account, popped.nyc and popped.lauren. And my sales associate 
right hand fr- girl Friday is popped.michelle. So yeah, we're pretty uh, into talking to people and learning more and finding out how we can help make people's day a little brighter. Yeah, I'll make sure that the links and the handles are in the show notes here so people can get that information, connect with you, have that conversation. This has been really a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Looking forward to seeing you soon. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.